0: Hello and welcome to the monthly BV Magazine podcast, your genuine slice of rural Dorset life. This is episode 1, August 2022,
1: read by me, Terry Bennett. And hello from me, Jenny Devitt. In this episode... Fanny Charles tells us about the recent visits to Dorset of the two Tory leadership contenders. We look back at sporting events 100 years ago in Shillingstone. Rachel Rowe has news of three North Dorset women who've become national champions in their sport. News of a Tisbury teenager doing
0: rather well in a somewhat unusual sport. And rostroteur Mark Hicks takes on the random 19 questions. But first, here's Laura Hitchcock.
2: Hello, it's Laura. I'm an overweight, middle-aged mum of four. When people notice me which they rarely do. I am over 40, therefore I'm invisible. They might think, nice smile. It is a nice one, to be fair. Gorgeous hair, possibly, but tricky to tell. The only hairstyle I know these days is a messy bum. They rarely think editor. It's far too grown up a job for a woman that can't remember where she put the car keys. But what I can guarantee they never think is kickboxer. And yet... I took up kickboxing during the first lockdown, purely as a bribery method to encourage my teenage daughter, who's been kickboxing since she was nine, to keep showing up. She didn't like Zoom lessons and I said, I will if you will. And I was bad, (laughs) terrible, but I loved it. Two years ago, I honestly couldn't manage one single press up. And now I have a vicious uppercut and I can manage a pretty mean spinning out a crescent kick. The point is I would never even have considered it if I hadn't watched my daughter do it first. If I hadn't seen my wispy nine year old working hard with passion and determination and while I was there I watched other women being fast, strong, powerful and inspiring. Just as all over the country girls are now asking their parents to find out where their nearest football club is and why they don't get to play football at school. We all need someone to inspire us to take the first step and to make us feel like we can. This month, Rachel Rowe's been speaking to three North Dorset women who, without any fanfare, have become national champions in their own contact sports, all of them in their turn inspiring more young girls to go out and play whatever sport they think is the right one for them, even if it is one for the boys.
1: News. Tory leadership hopeful stage a West Country two-step by Fanny Charles. You could, if you were so minded, describe the recent West Country visits by the Tory leadership and candidates as a two-step U-turn. First, Rishi Sunak was accused of a massive U-turn when he proposed a significant cut in income tax by the end of the decade. Then, Liz Truss was forced to backtrack on a proposal for regional pay groups and pay cuts for public sector workers outside the South East. The former Chancellor visited North Dorset for a meeting of party members hosted by local MP Simon Hoare at the Exchange at Staminster newton and the Foreign Secretary was in West Dorset the following day at Athelhampton House meeting local members hosted by West Dorset MP Chris Loder. At both meetings, the candidates also answered questions from selected media representatives including the BV. In between, they took part in a joint hustings meeting at the Great Hall of Exeter University. Mr. Hoare introduced Rishi Sunak as a common-sense Tory who'll do the right thing, but stressed that the party must unite after the leadership election. This call was echoed by Mr. Sunak, who spoke of the importance of restoring trust and of patriotism, family, hard work and aspiration. Identifying himself as the leader for the next general election, which would be a record fifth consecutive win for the Conservatives, he recognised the need to appeal to floating voters and referred specifically to the recent loss of the Huntington and Tiverton constituency. Miss Truss told ITV's New South West political correspondent David Wood, we will not be going ahead with regional pay groups. She said that there was never any intention to affect teachers and nurses, and she did not want people to be concerned. In weekend interviews, Rishi Sunak, MP for the rural North Yorkshire constituency of Richmond, talked about the importance of domestic food production and the resilience it gives us. I will drive forward the most significant reforms to farming in half a century, he said. At Sturminster Newton, he spoke about his concerns for food security and the need for a stronger, more farming-friendly vision. His neighbour in North Yorkshire is a dairy farmer, so he has a significant understanding of the challenges farmers are facing. Liz Truss also spoke of the food security crisis. She wants to get rid of red tape and bureaucracy, freeing British farmers to compete with farmers from other countries. I want to see fields full of crops and livestock, not solar panels. Housing is a hot topic in many rural constituencies, including Mr. Sunak's Richmond and Miss Truss's Norfolk Southwest. Previously, he has promised to restrict construction on the greenbelt, while her plans include building a million homes there. Both want to see changes to enable local people to be able to afford to buy homes in rural areas where incomers and second-home buyers have pushed prices up. It was important, Rishi Sunak said, to make sure that rules and regulations don't tip the balance in favour of second-homes, and he was working with some local MPs to close some of the regulatory loopholes His solution to first-time buyers' difficulties with deposits was to introduce 95% mortgages for them. Liz Truss wants planning policies that are supported by local people. I want to get rid of top-down housing targets, she said. And on the rural housing crisis, her policy is to encourage business and enterprise with homes specifically linked to jobs, helping people to be able to get a foot on the housing ladder.
0: A Hundred Years of Sport in Shillingston by Rachel Rowe A hundred years ago, Britain was recovering from a world war and a global flu pandemic. The Western Gazette reported on the Shillingston Sports Festival at the time, and this year, many of the original races were back on the schedule. In 1922, a flat half-mile race for ex-servicemen reflected Shillingston's sad claim as the bravest village in England, having sent the most men to war per head of population. It was a popular event won by H Hain. The open 120 yards hurdles race was won by S Trowbridge. Other open events in 1922 included both one and two mile bicycle races. Only locals could enter the 100 yards flat race, and the same for the three legged race, which was for boys only, and the egg and spoon, which was just for girls. There were even prizes for garland making, and the total prize pop was valued at 26 pounds, roughly 1,031 today. Blanford Town Band started the day's events with a parade through the village and were in attendance on the field during the afternoon and evening. A hundred years on and there were races for children of all ages, events for fathers and mothers and an obstacle course. Although the egg in the egg and spoon race has now been replaced with a potato, there is still a traditional sack race. In 1922 people had to pay one shilling to come to the sports day but in 2022 the event was free for everybody to enjoy. One of the organisers, Kay Ridout, has been busy with a team of volunteers getting things ready for the big day. She first got involved when she came to the village in the 1990s. Kay says, I joined in a race as a spectator, got roped in to help and have been here ever since. Richard Higgs, our sports director, has also been involved for years. One of the features of the Shillingston Sports Day this year was the return of the famous raft race. Until the early 90s, decorated homemade rafts raced from Shillingston to Sturms Newton. Not everyone, or the rafts, got to the finishing line, and most people got a soaking. As reeds have made the river more hazardous to navigate, the race was relaunched this year on dry land as the Go Craft Race. Think of the red bull soapbox challenge but on the flat in the days when you could travel by train to Shillingstone, the tug of war attracted teams from across north dorset in 1922 the tug of war final was played between child oakford and sherborne at shillingston and sherborne won sadly the tug of war no longer takes place kay explains it's down to a lack of volunteers and also rope we have the same people coming forward each time who can't do everything We have tried to find somebody, but no one came forward. The sports festival this year was open to everyone. Other traditional attractions included skittles, tennis, a raffle, a treasure hunt, tombola, splat the rat, children's games, face painting, craft stalls
1: and a car boot sale. Three North Dorset Ladies, Three National Champions by Rachel Rowe We've all enjoyed watching the Lionesses win the European Football Championships this summer. Even more impressive than their skill on the field has been their legacy beyond the trophy. They're inspiring girls and women to get involved in the sport and loudly paying tribute to all those women who inspired and led the way, enabling their success. Right here in North Dorset, quietly working hard the way women footballers have for years – are some trailblazing women who are also achieving national and international success, paving the way for more girls to follow in what are traditionally male sports. Oakford-Fitzpain-based Kate Davy is the 2022 World Karate and Kickboxing Union, that's the WKU, British Opium Champion in the 70 kilos and 65 kilos kickboxing classes. Her success has led to a call-up to the WKU England squad for the World Championships in Cardiff this autumn. So how did she get started? I've always been an extremely competitive person. I've had horses since I was two and been involved with competing for years. I went to a Blandford kickboxing lesson to try it and I was hooked. Then I met my partner who teaches kickboxing with another organisation. I'm a purple belt currently. I haven't been able to grade up because of Covid, but that's coming up soon. Fifteen-year-old Ruby Elsa White is no stranger to regular BV readers. We've been tracking the Stallbridge teenager's career for the last 18 months. When she was seven, Ruby took part in the village pantomime with her mum. We met another family and I noticed one of them was a boxer. He invited me to go for a lesson and that was it. I've been boxing for eight and a half years now. When the coach... Whose Sean Weeks of Sturminster Newton Amateur Boxing Club, first saw me box, he told everyone I would be a national champion. Ruby, known as the Pocket Rocket, lived up to that claim when she became the national champion and the two-time Box Cup winner in 2019. Since then, she's gone on to win 12 further championships and has won an impressive 26 out of 31 matches. When she won the Prospect Award in Sweden, it was the first time the award had left the country. Until Ruby got her hands on it, the Swedes had always won. And now it's in Storbridge. Taekwondo master Kim Robinson from Blandford is the youngest female 7th Dan master in the country. There are very few lady masters, she says. I was six when I started. My whole family started young. My older sister was eight Kim's sister is Karen Maine, who's now fifth Dan kickboxer and owner of a well-known local kickboxing school. Dad worked with an instructor, and we started off in the 1980s. Once my brothers got to six years old, we were all doing taekwondo. Kim's remarkably young for a seventh Dan. It's rare to get this far for either sex. A black belt must train for two years as a second Dan to achieve their third then three years to gain a fourth, and so on. A seventh Dan is a minimum training time of 31 years, if you pass every grading on time. Like most of us, Ruby watched the lionesses. I was really happy for them, she says. It's like women's boxing. We need them getting it out there. I like the fact that the women won the Euros when the men were unable to. Kate found getting into kickboxing easy. People think it's a male thing, she says, but there are lots of women doing it. People just don't realise it and everyone is so friendly. We're all one family. Everyone knows each other and it's a really relaxing sport. Kim has noticed an increase in women taking up taekwondo. I teach a lot of kids and have around 200 students, 180 of whom are young kids. Several are there for the discipline you learn with taekwondo, but adults tend to focus more on fitness. Recently, we've seen many teen girls, and seven ladies have joined in the last month. I'm not sure. Maybe women have been inspired by all the sports? All three of these women are breaking down the prevailing misogynistic view of contact sports, driving forward the changes and bringing success to the Blackmore Vale. When Kate Davy won her British championship, it was a special moment. She says... I thought i would be knocked out in 30 seconds, but my coach said, You're not going to let her do that to you, are you? I used the space to stay calm, used everything I'd been taught and my fitness to win. After lockdown, it was such a reward. All the work I'd put in, it was a massive achievement. Kim had to travel to Leicester to earn her 7th Dan Master qualification. Over the 30 or so years, she says... I've learned 24 patterns. Of course, you learn the most challenging patterns as a black belt, such as breaking boards or doing a flying sidekick. You'd think Ruby had time on her side, but she has her eye firmly on the Olympics in 2028. The minimum age for boxing is 19. In 2028, she says, I'll be 21. I got through to the first selection and have the second one this weekend. They only take people they think will win gold. First, there were nine of us, and now we're down to five. Women's boxing has only been an Olympic sport since 2012. Lots of people had to fight to get the International Olympic Committee to take the sport seriously. Ruby's mum, Heidi, added Ruby is so dedicated, and the discipline keeps her focused. She'd rather train than sit on an Xbox. All three contact sports are excellent at giving you a complete workout. Fitness advisor and BB columnist Mel Mitchell says, contact sports are a great way of releasing stress and building endurance, strength and coordination. And let's not forget the social side, which is always great from a mental health perspective. If you are now inspired to give a new sport a try, all three women have advice. Kim runs KR martial arts and has classes across Dorset including at Blandford Forum Sturminster Newton and Wimborne she offers free taster sessions be warned you could get hooked ruby would be very happy to see more females at the boxing classes in Sturminster Newton as she's the only one at the moment finally kate and her partner run kickboxing training in Blandford Forum and also offer a free taster session
0: Tisbury Teen Selected for the British Junior Orienteering Team by Rachel Rowe Rainy days are an unlikely start to a new outdoor interest, but when Lyra Medlock's father suggested that they get out and go orienteering, she jumped at the chance. Lyra comments, it was raining and we were bored, so when Dad suggested it, I went. And that's where it all started, from there. For the uninitiated, orienteering is an adventure sport involving cross-country running through rough terrain, away from any footpaths, or urban sprinting, while using a map and compass to navigate between checkpoints guided by a specially produced orienteering map. It is a thinking sport, requiring the mind and body to work together to run as fast as possible through difficult terrain without getting lost. However, if you live on your smartphone, there's a drawback you count to use gps or satnav and you run on your own some races last an hour while others are sprints for 10 to 15 minutes orienteering is done on all terrains from mountains to forests urban areas to sand dunes once alara got into orienteering she quickly progressed joining the southwest junior squad at the age of 12 and representing her region at interregional championships in yorkshire and cleveland She has consistently won her age group at the British Championships in all three disciplines – sprint, middle distance and long distance. The sport has taken her to Scotland, the Lake District, South Wales and many other places. Thanks to a grant from the Alice Coombs Trust, Lara was able to attend selection races in the north of England. She was duly picked to orienteer for England Juniors, first against the Belgians and French, then against Scotland, Wales and Ireland, and she won both races. Lara's eyes have been on the GB selection for a while. After six challenging events in Wales and Northumberland, she was chosen to orienteer for Great Britain at the European Youth Orienteering Championships in Hungary this summer. Lara's races were against 16-year-old girls from 33 other countries. Out of a field of 100, she finished in an excellent ninth place in the sprint event, the best GB performance of the weekend. Lara said it was amazing I always wanted to get onto the team, and I was younger than the others. In Hungary, Lara twice had to run in forests, where temperatures reached 37 degrees. She comments, I drank lots more water than usual and kept to the shade as much as possible. It was the same for everyone. You just have to cope and move on. Lara attends Gillingham School and is in year 10. She practices her sport by running around Tisbury and the Fontmelle Estate, and has got to know every path and run-through in the area. Lyra and her father, Jolyon, appreciate the efforts made by local people to keep footpaths clear, as this has helped Lyra achieve her sporting goal. If you have read this and are interested in trying out orienteering, the Medlock family recommends the Wessex Orienteering Club, where they participate in events. Parents need to drive their children to various venues for junior events. Orienteering is a sport for runners who can both read a map and
1: make decisions at speed. Features Mark Hicks, the English restaurateur and chef, takes on the Random 19. Interview by Laura Hitchcock. Renowned chef and restaurateur Mark Hicks permanently relocated to Dorset at the start of the pandemic, coming home after spending his adult life in London, though weekends were always for his Charmouth home. He had his first head chef position at the age of 22 and has worked at both the Ivy and Le Caprice, becoming Caprice's chef-director in 1999. In 2008, Mark opened his first restaurant, the Hicks Oyster and Chop House, near Smithfield Market. He was awarded an MBE in 2017, and along with numerous TV appearances, he writes weekly recipe pages for the Daily Telegraph and has his own show on Lime Bay Radio. In twenty twenty, during the first stages of the pandemic, the Hicks restaurants, by then operating across four sites in London, Hicks Oyster and Chop House in Farringdon, Hicks Soho and Mark's Bar, Tramshed in Shoreditch, and Hickster Bankside, as well as two sites in Lyme Regis, Hicks Oyster and Fish House, and Hicks Town House. He went into administration. Mark publicly noted that
0: This was a board decision, and I have to point out, done without my support.
1: Mark retreated to his house in Dorset. To survive lockdown and tend to the garden. Two months later, Mark, a self-confessed eBay addict, started the search for a food truck. It's movable.
0: I could serve what I wanted and the overheads would be minimal.
1: A black, already converted American Chevrolet ambulance popped up and he won the bidding. My silly low offer was accepted within 24 hours. He collected it in South London, and the thinking time on the four-hour drive home was the start of a new beginning. Arising from his love of fishing, Mark wanted to support the local fishermen while all the restaurants, shops and hotels were closed. He applied for a licence to buy and sell fish, got a pitch at Felicity's Farm Shop in Morecambe Lake, and started selling marine reserve fish and shellfish.
0: I called it Hicks Oyster and Fish Truck, as close as I could to the fish restaurant I had lost. The first week trading on the truck, I took my ex-head chef from the fish house, telling him there are no wages, we'll just split the profits. At the end of the week, we each went home with 140 quid in our pockets. It's what I used to earn when I was 19, but it was better than nothing.
1: In July 2020, Mark rescued his Oyster and Fish House from the administrators and was hired as the Director of Food and Drink and Art Curator for One Lombard Street reopening in London.
0: Maybe I needed the opportunity to return to basics, smoking salmon in my back garden, supporting honest local fishermen and feeding takeaway sliders to the local community from my truck.
1: In December 2020, Mark purchased the Fox Inn at Corscombe but just 18 months later, in the very week that Laura interviewed him, Mark announced the closure of the pub. I don't need to tell
0: anyone how hard it's been for the industry since Covid hit, and the challenges simply continue with rising costs and a difficulty to recruit like I have never known in my whole career. And so, with a heavy heart, it is time to permanently close the doors of the Fox Inn.
1: What's your relationship with the Blackmore Vale, the uh, North Dorset area? not the bv online i'm a west
0: dorset boy born and bred in west bay i pass through the north of the county all the time obviously but home is here in charmouth
1: what was the last film you watched
0: to be honest i'm not a big film person recently i've got into breaking bad yes i know i'm so late in probably the last person to watch it and now i'm on to better call Saul. I'd like to watch some before I fall asleep and usually have to rewind to pick up again the following day. Favourite crisps flavour? Oh, cheese and onion, though I do have a serious fondness for frazzles and squares. The salt and vinegar ones that make your lips pucker up.
1: And the best biscuit for dunking?
0: Oh, a hobnob with or without chocolate, I'm easy. I found some <laughs> mini ones recently, which are also really good.
1: What was the last song you sang out loud oh, in your I car? I
0: never sing in the car.
1: And your favourite quote, movie, book or inspiration? We won't judge, but would like to know why. Work hard, play hard. I'm not sure who said it, but it's how I live. A little online research shows the phrase seems to have originated in 1827 and can be attributed to Canadian educator William Newnham from his essay, The Principles of Physical, Intellectual, Moral and Religious Education, Volume 2. Newnham wrote that, Whatever is done, it should be habitually done with earnestness. In every pursuit, exertion should be employed. Work hard and play hard. It's Friday night. You have the house to yourself and no work is allowed. What are you going to do?
0: I'm not actually one for staying in, so if the weather's good, I'd be off out fishing. If I'm at home, then I'd probably catch up on some gardening. It's all a bit neglected out there at the moment. What is your comfort meal? A bowl of pasta. I usually have venison from a friend once a month or so, and I make the trimmings into a ragout. I freeze it in portions and then it defrosts in the time it takes the pasta to cook. Easy.
1: What are your top three most visited favourite websites, excluding social media and BBC News?
0: Well, eBay for random stuff I don't need, and then there'd be Amazon for random stuff I probably don't need. And then Facebook Marketplace, brilliant for even more random stuff. It's a bit of a pattern, isn't it? What shop can
1: you never pass by? Poundland. In an interview filled with thoughtful pauses and considered responses, this was an unexpectedly swift, unhesitating and definitive answer. What would you like to tell 15-year-old you...
0: Work hard, don't flit, and do some work experience in whatever you choose. Sticking to one thing would have made life easier. I was working from the age of 11. Not uncommon then, but not something you see nowadays, really. And there's no replacement for a decent work ethic being instilled. What's your secret superpower? Oh, fishing. I caught a sea bass this morning. It's my way of relaxing. I love it. Cats or dogs? Neither. I have had cats, but to be honest, I just don't really care that much. We don't fit.
1: What's your most annoying trait? I'm super
0: tidy. Potentially obsessively so. Everything has a place and it must
1: be in it. The sink must be empty. But I don't personally think that's annoying at all. If you had to be shipwrecked on a desert island, but all your human needs, such as food and water, were taken care of... What two items would you want to have with you? A fishing rod and my cob grill. Not a super expensive chef kit. The grill is currently just £99 at Go Outdoors, that note from the editor. Chip shop chips or home-baked cake?
0: Well, home-baked cake, you can never really rely on chip shop chips. Actually, and I know it's a slight stretch of the question... My top choice would be my chilli cheese cornbread. Delicious, and also makes a brilliant gift. Can I cheat with that as my cake?
1: What was the last gift
0: you gave someone?
1: I bought a piano
0: for my daughter Isla. She's a keen pianist, so I get a beautiful piece of furniture and she has a piano whenever she comes to stay.
1: And what would you like to be remembered for? What I've
0: achieved in hospitality, but also my failures. You learn so much from failing. And finally, your perfect breakfast? Ooh, corned beef hash. Or maybe Brick, a Tunisian dish of eggs in fried phyllo pastry. I'm happy with either. Served with a large pot of coffee, thanks. Well, that's it for episode one of the BV Magazine podcast for August 2022. It's goodbye from me, Terry Bennett.
1: And until next week, it's goodbye from me, Jenny Devitt. Bye-bye.